0: Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew and I'm Scott. This production is meant to provide meaningful support to you to find great careers faster, whether you're working or not. Today on Job Seekers Radio, we're talking about the 12 things not to put on your
1: resume. Resumes are great. They're necessary. We we know we need to use them, but they need to keep up with the times. Uh, we don't use resumes quite the same way we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. So it's important that we uh, make sure that we are aware of what is currently not just acceptable, but preferred. So we want to talk about a few things that maybe in the past some people have enjoyed using or doing, to probably shouldn't at this point.
0: And resumes, if you look at the history, I think they've only been around since the 1960s. Probably. So it's, it's a relatively new phenomenon in the world of work.
1: In the world in, of in, human existence, right. perhaps. <laughs> <but yeah.
0: laughs> well, of course, Scott. Don't, don't mistake what I'm yeah, saying. No. There's been lots of change in that time. And there's yeah. this new thing called the internet and applicant tracking software. And all these new players are on the scene that are insulating us from the ability to find work.
1: Often the things that we create to make things easier also make things more complicated. So we want to give some ideas on some things that maybe we've done in the past that we don't wanna do moving forward because we want to make sure that your resumes are the ones that get to the top of the list. We
0: want you in the short pile Not the round file.
1: Exactly.
0: And the first thing, the number one thing in my estimation, and I came up with this list, so Scott will just take some credit for...
1: I added uh, a little.
0: A little bit. Okay. Is too much information. I can't tell you how many resumes I've seen that are eight, nine, ten pages long.
1: And if you're doing something outside of the sciences, that's probably overkill.
0: It is overkill, even in the sciences. Who wants to read that whole
1: thing? Right. Who's even going to understand it? Well, and I'm one that my coworkers will tell me all day long how wordy I am. I know that. To help with that, I usually have someone else look at my resume to help me edit it down. Because if I'm repeating things that, that I don't really realize because I'm trying to get the story just right, Having a second set of eyes, especially when you have a friend or colleague who can look at that from the opposite point of view, somebody who only thinks or speaks in bullet points, is probably going to help you edit it down to the the information you actually need.
0: You may not be the type that's really wordy. In that case, stretching the information to fit a page or two might be a challenge. But this is for those people that are extra wordy or feel like... People like me. They're trying to overwhelm the audience. I got to make sure I get every little detail in. exactly
1: Because it's important that everybody knows everything that I can do. No, it isn't. Yeah. The resume, I
0: mean, you look at, it's a French word and you know French. Indeed I do. Okay. Resume means summary. It's a summary of your experience. It's not a catalog of everything you've ever done. Right.
1: And that actually ties into another point we'll be making later about how much time we put on it.
0: The corollary to this <laughs> that I've seen a lot is people say, "Oh, I've got to fit this on one page." And and they try to shoehorn a two-page resume onto one page. Right. And they do that by having a 9-point font uh, yeah. and quarter-inch margins. And I'm, you know, it, I'm 50 now, <laughs> if you can believe it, and I have trouble reading things
1: that small. Right.
0: I have to grab my readers.
1: Especially if you're looking uh, to get in with a company where the recruiter or hiring manager is actually reading the resumes themselves rather than an automated system, I'm going to pick up the resumes that I can read easily. I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading tiny, tiny font or the really long resumes if I can get qualified candidates who can tell me concisely and in easy to read Resumes what I'm looking for
0: We're looking at an average of eight seconds first yeah. pass on a resume by yeah. a human being Once you get to that spot, you need to make it very easy to consume,
1: right? So if you're if you're going for an entry-level position a one-page resume is probably adequate if you're looking at a middle management to maybe through a director two pages should be adequate because if you're highlighting the skills along with the achievements or accomplishments or or the tasks that you've you've been able to do you should be able to get that onto a couple of pages
0: the caveat to that and there's always an exception to the rule sure. is if you're looking executive level which would be maybe vp and above or you're going into academia and they want to see your published works and maybe some patents or any research you've right. done you can have a page 3 that has that stuff Right.
1: Saw a woman get hired for uh, the executive director position for the Women's Center at a hospital, and she had a five-page resume. That was appropriate for the position that she was going for. Plus, not only was the recruiter looking in a very specific way for that level, she had a headhunter working for her to help facilitate those conversations. So that's a different kind of job search. What we're talking about is for the average person, don't use small font to fit more in. Edit down the amount of information and keep it most relevant to the company you're applying to.
0: I love the advice you gave before, and that is use the resume that gets you the calls, gets you the interviews. If you find one that's working, use it. Keep going. Yeah. Keep using it.
1: And as you're personalizing resumes, maybe we should list that as its own idea. Always personalize your resume. Never send the same resume out all the time. And the reason I say that is because not every company is looking for exactly the same skill set, even though the title may be exactly the same. Pay attention to the job description and then tailor it to it. So if you have a master resume and you take out the things that don't apply to that company, that's going to help you edit it down.
0: Don't spend a whole lot of time doing that, but it does make a difference. Budget, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Customize the resume. Exactly. I found people that try to optimize an ineffective method end up going into mild depression. Yeah. When they don't hear anything sure. back. Just use the resume that's getting you the calls. The second one is, and I'm going to say this kind of roughly... Don't ever put any personal information on your resume. You'd like your address or anything that could allow somebody to take over your identity for nefarious purposes
1: you. Yeah, I generally give the advice, use the information on your resume where they can get in touch with you. Generally speaking, they're not going to send you a letter. So you do not need to put your physical mailing address, any of that. Your phone number and an email. And if you aren't comfortable giving your home phone number or your your cell phone number, there are other ways to do that. You can use um, Google Voice so that you're not giving your own phone number out, but it connects to your phone. You can then screen your calls. It depends on your your comfort level with that. That and an email address. And I also suggest putting your LinkedIn profile uh, URL. On the resume, but that's really all you need. Just how do you get in touch with me? That's the only information you need to put on it.
0: Nothing else really matters, so and government is really interesting because they're always asking for more information than is reasonably necessary in an application process. Right,
1: and be aware that your social media accounts will be scrutinized if they can get to them, so be conscious of that don't put your facebook uh, url on your resume unless it is your facebook page that talks about your career
0: that brings us to the third thing not to put on your resume and that's long sentences full of buzzwords
1: and lots of commas keep it simple i generally recommend don't have more than two clauses in a single sentence keep it easily read bullet pointed if you can as part of that the long sentences There's some debate whether or not uh, the narrative with the first person, I did such and such, is helpful. If that works within your industry, go for it. But please keep those sentences short, simple, succinct. But generally, I find most people will skim through a resume very quickly, so bullet points help. And make sure that the beginning of the sentence is where the meat of it is, the things that you actually did or the skills that you used.
0: One that we missed here that's probably a corollary to this is I believe that bullets should highlight something. And one thing that I've seen a lot of people do is they bullet everything. So everything on the resume is in bullets and it leaves the reader thinking, okay, what How are they really highlighting? Is the—is it the first one or the third one or the 10th one? Sure. Ten, so they see a position and there's
1: like 15 bullets. thing about that, though, is I've found most recruiters will read the first three and then they move on to the next job. So if your top three bullets aren't the most important tasks or skills that you're trying to highlight, then move them up, because it's great to show depth within your role, and that's where those other bullet points may go, but they're probably not going to read them all, so make sure the first ones are the most important.
0: That brings us to the next, the number four thing not to put on your resume, and that's an objective.
1: We get the objective. You're looking for a job, yeah. right? Um, to find a job yeah. in my domain for... Yeah. For, this, the, for the role that I'm yeah. applying. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a given. When I see an objective, what that's telling me is either you don't really know what you're doing in your job search, or it has been a long time since you've looked for work.
0: Or it's some resume you pulled off a free template off the internet yeah. that's from 1970. Yeah,
1: that uh, good point. Even 1990. Yeah. Um, the objective is great if you are if you have no experience and you're using a functional resume. The objective is to move to the next part of my career. If you are like right out of college, you have no real experience other than the academic learning. Then that would be the exception to the rule because you're you're putting it out there. You're not experienced in this, but this is your area of interest and you have some training and your objective is to move in that direction. There are going to be certain hiring managers or recruiters who are looking for that, but that puts you in a very small group. So otherwise, let your experience indicate the objective. And that sort of leads then to the the summary too. There are times when people put a summary of what they can do. I don't recommend that. Instead, you can kill those two birds with one stone, and that's put the job title you are looking for.
0: It gives people a north star. Who is this Great So I see say. I see a name and I see a title. Boom, I already know who you are and what you're looking for. And from there, everything should support that job title from their perspective.
1: So if you're the type th- to put nine-point font in because you're trying to get more in, take out the objective and the summary. You're probably going to gain some space. <laughs> yeah, so use white space. That's
0: yeah. that's another uh, caveat. So that was actually uh, one, two, three, four, five. That was number five. No summary. No summary. No, don't use the word summary at the top of a resume. Instead, use... The, the job title on the posting or a target job title or domain.
1: Right. I have seen um, a summary used to highlight skills used. And if that's the case, I would go ahead and do that. But under the title skills, and that should come later in the resume.
0: Or it could come under the summary. There's an option there. Well, if you could, you're doing you, a summary. Right. But the summary would fall under the job title. You oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. wouldn't have... Right. the word summary on the resume, then you would have a summary statement even though it's not called summary,
1: right. right? But here's one of the tricks that you taught me and that is instead of a summary, do a branding statement, mm. a personal branding statement because ultimately it is summarizing what what I offer. That has a completely different feel. And if you're looking at applying for a job where they know anything about marketing, they will actually appreciate that you show that you understand how you're putting yourself out there. And if time. I have
0: to read, and if I have to read 25 resumes, and it's like detail-oriented project manager oh. with expertise, at- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <There's, laughs> if I have to read another one of those, there's another thing with the buzzwords. Yeah, don't don't. Don't use buzzwords. I know we touched on that earlier, but things like detail-oriented or process-driven or results-driven. If you're not results-driven, I don't want to (laughs) hire you, right? Because the whole point of having a job is to result in something, right? So we're all results-oriented to some degree if we're a good employee. We are detail-oriented to the degree we need to be. And if our skill set doesn't allow for really focusing on the details, we probably shouldn't be going for a job that needs that kind of detail. Assume that they know that you're detail-oriented because you actually put your resume together well.
0: Let the resume speak for itself. Exactly. That brings us to the sixth thing not to put on the resume, and that is dates for education. It's completely irrelevant to your candidacy. When you got your education is not the bar. The bar is, do you have education?
1: And, and I hear people say, well, that's not necessarily true for, for higher ed. Um, for an academic role, I think it still applies to the extent that they are looking for your level of education as much as when you had it. Now, I understand that if, if someone had a, an education in a very specific type of work, that where they, they got their degree 30 years ago. It's probable that the work itself has evolved over time, but even with that, having the right degree and showing 30 years of experience, or at least 10 years, and we'll get to that in a second, showing the years of experience where you were actually using this in modern ways, that is a better message to send. But if I say that I graduated from college in 1964, the hiring manager is going to make some assumptions about my age and at the very least about whether my skill set is modern. It is not relevant. If they insist on having the dates of your education on your application, that's different. Put it there, not on your resume. The only caveat, and
0: I've encouraged people that are maybe just about two to three years out of college, they may have some experience, and I think it's it gives the reader, at least when I read the resume, I feel like, oh, okay, he doesn't just have two years experience or three years experience. He just got out of college. Right. Now I understand why. Yes. And, and that might I, be I would exactly agree what I'm looking for, yes. right? I'm looking yep. for entry-level persons, got about two years experience not the person that's got 10 years' experience trying to find something entry-level. Because that's a whole different
1: conversation. Excellent. It's all about Good fit. All about fit. That brings us to number seven. If you have more experience than the company is asking for, personalize or, or modify that resume to match the experience that they're looking for. Again, the resume is to try to get their attention to make them feel compelled to contact you, to interview you. It is not about going beyond what they need because that can actually shoot you in the foot if they think that you're overqualified. Or or that you would be bored. Right. Or too expensive or... That's another one, too expensive. Oh, well this person has so much experience they probably want, you know, twice as much as we're willing to pay or able to pay. Often, When I talk to hiring managers and recruiters about overqualified candidates, their biggest fear is that they won't stay. Turnover is very, very expensive, and they want someone who can grow into a position. I've been in that situation where I was overqualified for a job I applied for, so I had to be prepared to answer the question, why do you want this job?
0: We're fighting it from the start. Yeah. Why give them ammunition? That's how I look at it, is if they're asking for five years' experience... Maybe you give them seven,
1: right? Maybe. Not not 15. As long as you're showing job progression, that would make sense. You know, if maybe in the first two years you were at a lower level position, but then you moved up, that would make sense. And don't make things up on your resume. Don't lie. Maybe that's another thing that we should add to not.
0: I, I didn't think we had to talk about that. Well, but some people it,
1: there's still a persistent idea that everybody inflates their their experience on their resume, and there may be truth to it. Honestly, I don't recommend that. I don't do that, so I don't think about that first. But I I generally tell people, do not lie on your resume. It will come back to haunt you. And I worked with a gal once who did not have a college degree. And she was looking at potentially moving to a different organization. And she asked me, what do I do? Because I I got the job here saying that I had a degree. And I told her, take it off your resume. Because if they find out you have lied it breaks trust yeah. and it's unlikely you'll keep the job well you can put education on there just don't claim you have a
0: degree exactly so it could be that you had two or three years yeah, education by just all say means. just say hey you know university studying HR um, coursework but you didn't get a degree right. so don't claim a degree if you don't have exactly plan. but you can claim that you had the coursework that brings us to number eight pictures eight. yeah pictures graphics emojis fancy fonts getting too cutesy or Trying to over-graphics your resume is a a distraction.
1: Right. The only exception that I'm aware of when it comes to changing the formatting and making it look really graphically interesting is if you are going for a job in the graphic arts. There's an expectation of having a graphically produced resume because that is your calling card for your skills on how to put that together. But that should also be a part of a portfolio as well of the work that you've done. When it comes to just general job search, keep it simple. Don't do a lot of formatting. Don't put in emojis or other graphics. Um, do not put your picture in. That opens up a whole bunch of EEOC issues. Not to mention many of
0: these applicant tracking systems, these softwares out there. They're not going to pick it up anyway. Right. They may
1: not read anything on your resume if it, it's over. It, they may that. not be
0: able to even scan it if right. it's on there. Exactly. So you may not even have a chance to get an interview because you were trying to be cute on your resume.
1: Exceptions would be uh, using your headshot if you're in real estate often realtors put that on. And so it has become something of an expectation. You want uh, to build trust in that fashion. If your industry has an expectation that you have a photo, okay, make sure it's a professional headshot. Don't, for general job searches, don't put your photo on, on your resume. And you may
0: even want to have two different versions the one that you use for applications might want to be stripped of any formatting, even if you are a graphic designer, because you want to at least get the call yes. and the conversation. Yes. And, and perhaps even on the resume, you put a link to your portfolio yes. instead of your LinkedIn profile, because sure. that may not yep. be, there, there's ways to get around that. We would Agreed. just recommend that you you know use your best judgment and use the resume that gets you the calls. Right. So that brings us to number nine, uh, the cover letter. I've seen people actually put a cover letter inside their resume.
1: Really? That's nuts.
0: It's, Where? At the beginning? It, yeah. So it's like there's a cover letter and then the resume is below that.
1: Well, I guess that would make sense to the extent that so many people don't read the cover letter at all. So you're trying to force them into it. The problem with that is that if they don't see what your your experience is in the first few seconds, they dismiss it outright.
0: Well, and the, the applicant system, if you're if you're relying on, and we're not advocating you rely just on the applications. No. I mean, the whole foundation of our, our podcast is... Is it, networking. Is networking.
1: Even so, if, if somebody asks you for the resume and you eventually get it to them with a cover letter attached, it's confusing. What are you doing? I think that's a really bad idea. Just leave the cover
0: letter separate, just like references. You wouldn't exactly. put references on your resume either. Right. Yeah, please don't put resume (laughs) references on your resume.
1: I agree. I, I, I don't think it belongs there. Let them ask for it. This is the other thing when it comes to a cover letter. When the job posting says, send your resume and cover letter, be sure you've written a good cover letter. Don't put it in the resume.
0: That brings us to the next thing not to put on your resume. And that's any kind of redundant information. I've seen this, Scott, where people actually will copy and paste a bullet point. And move it down to the next role underneath of that. Even though it was a different company, it was the same title. It was the
1: same exact words. It's great to know that you're you're taking your transferable skills from one job to another. If it's a basic skill, put it the first time you used it. Because the chances are pretty good they will... Figure out that you've been using that same skill in later jobs. If it relates specifically to a specific action that is going to be done by the person whose job you're applying for, keeping it to the top may be a good answer, but don't repeat the information. If it was done differently in a prior job, use different wording to describe what you were doing.
0: Any kind of copy and paste can also be seen if you do like a search. The one way to kind of overcome this is to do a search for a certain word string and see if it's redundant inside of your oh, document. That's a great idea. So just do like a little search and say, Am I saying the same thing over and over again? Or, or using the same words. So you can do a search for like if you say created a lot. You can search for that word inside your resume and see how many times it shows up. Yeah,
1: use the th- the, the yes <laughs> the thorth the, th- the, th- the th- th- <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that word was a tongue twister. Uh, use a th- <laughs> I can't get it. a thesaurus yes wow okay did Um, did you have something to drink no i wish i had that would be a good excuse um moving on to the next one don't use a lot of acronyms true there are some jobs that you apply for that are very specialized the acronyms are well known within your industry and they are commonly used that would be a reasonable exception but if you can't say with a fair amount of certainty that the person reading this is going to understand it, don't use an acronym. Spell it out, put the acronym in parentheses, and then you can use that acronym later. You have to make sure that you've spelled it out so that the person yes. reading it understands it.
0: Even if you do that, I still discourage people from overusing that acronym. agree. Because I have seen it where they put it in and then they put it in parentheses, and literally in the next section of experience it's used like ten
1: times. Yeah, not a good idea. Don't, it's just don't repeat over, yourself. Overused.
0: Yeah. And the challenge, and it's not so much that you shouldn't put acronyms on there. Two things. One, it makes it difficult to read because you now have to stop and translate in your mind right. what that acronym is. And then I just missed the value of your statement.
1: Because True. I was thinking of how True. to
0: So the mind, a human's mind, has to think that way. Well,
1: and I'm thinking about uh, jobs in medicine, for example, where the acronym is used as a common word. That might be an exception, but I would still recommend talking about these things using different language in the later sections. Keeping it interesting actually benefits the people who have to read these resumes, and this is just the ones that automated system spits out at them. Give them something interesting to read. The second thing is, you don't
0: know who's going to read this resume first. It could be a junior HR person, even a contractor that's just there to screen Good point. 100 resumes yep. down to a stack of 20, maybe, that they're going to then get on the phone. So just be sure that, the, you know... You don't know who the person is going to read it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and for those technical folks, you can have a technical skills section where you can put the alphabet soup. It's that, yeah. totally acceptable to have a section of uh, things like that that isn't part of the regular
1: experience and like, then redundant. So, And that brings me to that point of putting in the keywords because so often with the automated system, we talk about companies are looking for specific keywords. If you haven't put those specific keywords that are in the job description in your experience, you can put in that skills section those other keywords that you're looking for and that is a good spot to put the acronyms that you know this company is going to be looking for.
0: That brings us to the last, the 12th thing not to put on your resume. And that's any kind of sidebars or tables or columns, yeah, or bubbles. Or,
1: right, the, the borders around a section. Um, this comes, sort of comes back to that idea of too much formatting. You can really screw up your chances of being seen if the company uses an automated system for which this kind of formatting is problematic. I see this using tables because it makes everything look really pretty. And so if you're using a printed version, or even if you expect someone to be looking at the resume on the computer, just on the screen, it may look really nice. You're assuming that it's going to get through that automated system and tables and other formatting can really mess that up.
0: Yeah. And that's really the primary reason we don't want it there. The challenge is, is that each time we see something, we're distracted from your message. And if you have multiple messages trying to distract us, we don't know what the message is. Yeah. Uh, simpler is better. Because Absolutely. as a hiring team, as a hiring manager that you've been, you've got a lot of resumes to go through and not one's the same. And I've got to hunt and peck around for the information yeah. I need to put you in the short pile. I tell you. Don't make it
1: difficult. As I've gone through resumes, the one that the ones that stand out are the ones with the most white space because that's telling me not only the specific experience the person has so I can get there quickly, it also is telling me they're likely more succinct. They are skilled at giving me a lot of information in a few words. That can be really powerful.
0: That does it for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. You can get all show notes and resources at jobseekersradio.com forward slash zero five two.
1: While you're there, we invite you to take advantage of a free resource. A free resource? A free resource that we've put together for you. It's the anatomy of a networking conversation. It's an ebook that Andrew and I put together. We, we invite you to download that, listen to the, the podcast, read what we've got here. We, we feel really comfortable based on the feedback we're getting that we've got a good thing for you here. So take advantage of it.
0: And that free resource actually will help you because this particular session is about resume. A resume is just one tool in your kit.
1: Indeed. There and
0: and getting to the interview is what matters. Exactly. And we don't want the resume to be the only thing you rely on to get those interviews. Right.
1: Networking is going to get you further than just sending out a resume.
0: Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Job Seekers Radio. Scott and I both, we appreciate the investment of time and attention you've given to listen to us speak about job search because we've been through this. We understand a lot of times uh, where you've been. We've walked in your shoes.
1: Exactly. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to get future episodes. And while you're there, please provide us a rate and review. We, we love getting feedback. Uh, if there's something we can do better, we want to know. Uh, if there's something you want to hear more of, we want to know. But especially if you have questions about your job search, send those our way and we'll be happy to answer them. The link to iTunes is right there
0: in the show notes. Go ahead and click that link on your phone. It'll send you right over to iTunes so that you can then put together a uh, rate and review well i'm andrew and i'm scott until next time you only have one chance to make a first impression see ya bye